I have about six more minutes before it's afternoon. Happy Sabbath to everyone. Do you look happy? Let me check your spaces. Smiling. Believers of righteousness in Jesus. Let me see. Smiles. Yes, yes. All right. Very good. Before we begin this morning and going into the afternoon very quickly, let's ask God for help because I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough to communicate the realities of the gospel to you, and I need help. Is that all right? So let's go to our knees if you can. If you just bow your head, that's fine. Our Father in heaven, here we are again on your holy Sabbath, reality of what we are, you know, and nothing is hid from your eyes. You know me inside and out. You know each one here inside and out, Father, and you know what we need. So we are here asking for help. We live in a crazy time. So we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his blood. Amen. Amen. So we live in some uh, amazing times just to be uh, calm with what I'm saying. You know, this past Thursday, you had a guest in your state. Anybody know who that was? Yeah. Who, who was it? It was Donald Trump. And it was interesting because I actually went to the rally with the missionaries. We decided to go to the rally and we didn't go to the rally so we can go rah or boo-hoo or whatever you guys know people do there. We went to the rally with an intent and a purpose. You know, when we were baptized into this movement, we were baptized into the three angels' messages. Anybody know about that? And those three messages fly in the midst of heaven, and they are the everlasting gospel to preach to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And they are to say with a loud voice, fear God. Give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And we're told that nothing else is to consume our thoughts but this idea that Christ is in heaven right now to reconcile the world to himself. So we went with this intent in mind, and we had great controversies. We had desire of ages. We had flyers for the evangelistic meeting, and we were walking amongst these people that really believe that this man has the solutions to this world's problems. And so we went in smart and wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I'll tell you two experiences. Uh, the young people had their bags, and in the bags were the great controversy desire of ages. And within me dropping them off, within 10 minutes, they called me and said, hey, Brother Andre, we need more books. So I was at the truck, the U-Haul that had the 6,000 books in it. And I put some books in a bag, and I put the book bags on my shoulder, began to walk towards my young people. And as I'm walking towards the young people, I see these two men, young Caucasian men, walking towards the rally. And as they're walking towards the rally, I, I slow down to make sure I start walking with them. You understand? Uh, it's, it's a science to soul winning. So I slowed down, and they start walking. I kept pace with them, and as we're walking along, I said, you're on your way to the rally? He's like, yes, you know, Donald Trump, and I was an independent, and Hillary Clinton, she's so bad, they need to lock her up, and he's just going on. And I'm not there to, just, to argue with him or anything. I'm just walking along. I have, I have a plan. I have in my hand the everlasting gospel. I have the message that will break any slavery to sin in my hand. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm walking. And as I'm walking with the great controversy in my hand, I'm looking for the opportunity to put this book in this man's hand. And as we're walking there, and I see my missionary coming now, and as she's coming... I see the opportunity, and I'm talking to the brother back and forth, talking back and forth, and I said, hold on one second. I said, hold this book for me. So he took the book in his hand. I took the bags off my shoulder, gave it to the young, the, the young lady, the missionary, and I grabbed another great controversy, gave it to the other man, and the guy looked at the cover. He said, great controversy. I said, that's right. He said, you're going to tell me about this, aren't you? I said, sure, <laughs> sure enough, I'm going to tell you about it. 
And within a few moments, I explained to him the purpose of that book, how the America is in Bible prophecy, how Donald Trump is bringing the world to a place where God is about to come and break this thing wide open. He said, man, he said, I'm going to read this book. Yes, sir. I'm sitting at the, I'm back at the truck now, sitting in the truck, minding my own business now. I taken a little break, and I, I was calling one of the elders at the other church, and I just got off the phone, and there was a, a van parked right next to our van. And that owner of that van came around from his truck. I guess he heard me speaking behind the U-Haul. He peeked his head around the U-Haul. He said, are you in charge of the souvenirs? <laughs> I said, no, sir, I have something better. Hold on. <laughs> Put a great controversy in his hand. He said, the great controversy, what is this? He said, give me your 30-second spiel on this book. I said, no problem. I told him about the great controversy. I told him how it's the best book on Bible prophecy written outside the Bible. I told him how this is telling us how we are so close to the coming of Jesus Christ. He said, I said, and I told him this, and I looked him in his eye. I said, any honest man that reads this book from cover to cover will never be the same. Yes, sir. I said, any honest man. I said, are you an honest man? He said, yes, I'm an honest man. I said, you read this book cover to cover and promise me when you finish reading the book, you call me. He said, I'll call you. I said, hold on, I got something else for you. <laughs> Desire of Ages. I said, this book is the number one book in the Library of Congress on the life of Christ. Out of the 10,000 books they have, this is number one. And in fact, sir, I want to tell you something. When I was 18 years old, I read this book, and it changed my life. I fell in love with Jesus. He said, wow, I'm going to read this book too. I said, hold on, I got something else for you. <laughs> Went back in the truck, I had a flyer, and the flyer was an invitation to my prophecy seminar. And I said, sir, I'm going to be preaching a prophecy seminar. I'll be, I'll be so happy if you would just come and visit with me at the meeting. He said, hold on, hold on, this is a lot, this is a lot. Yeah. I said, no problem, sir. He said, but I'm going to tell you something, He's Andre, because at this point I exchanged my name with him. And he said, I'm going to tell you something, Andre. I don't tell this to many people, but I, I actually read the Bible. He said, I, any good book there is that has good truth in it and, and things that can benefit my life, I'll read it. And he said, I am so happy to have met you, and I promise you that I will read these books and I will call you. And you know how it is when you meet somebody and they're, like, they're cool with you? And yeah. you're a young man, right? So if you know what, I'm, I'm going to go like this. So he did it like that. He did a little dap. We did it like this, like that. And then he's walking away, and he comes back and does it again, <laughs> like that. This is, not, this is not a young brother. This is a Caucasian man, professional man. He come and give me dap. Uh -huh. There was something in me and a, something in him that was a connection. I tell you the truth, my friends, I, and I'm going to give you a warning. If you are watching television and you are watching MSNBC or NBC or Fox and you're imbibing the spirit of these networks, and you have a, you're a Republican or a Democrat, and you are taking that spirit as your main focus in your day, you are not a Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, let, let me say it again. If you are taking Democrats and you're saying, I, I'm a Democrat and I hate Donald Trump, and then you're a Republican, and you say, I hate the Democrats, and that spirit of separation and division is not a Seventh-day Adventist. You are the wrong party. We are on a higher party, my friend, so that's why I can, in fact, it was interesting that the missionaries were out there handing out the books, and uh, as they were handing out the books, one lady, you know, liked the young person so much, they gave her a MAGA hat. You know what those are? Those that Make America Great Again hats, those red hats that get people beat up sometimes. <laughs> gave her the hat, and I saw her with the hat, but she wasn't wearing the hat. She just had it on her side. I said, sis, I said, we are amongst these Republicans. Put the hat on. She put the hat on. Do you know how fast those books went out after that? Paul says, I became a Jew to meet the Jew. I became a Gentile to meet the Gentile. I will become a Trump supporter to reach the Trump supporter, and I will become a Democrat to reach the Democrats. Are you following what I'm saying? I will walk amongst them, not as I am one of them, but I have a higher purpose and a higher calling in my day and this time. Do you understand who you are? My friends, if you don't mind, open your Bibles with me to John, the book of John, chapter 14. And today's sermon title is Christ's Ambassadors. John chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading in verse 
number 15. John 14 and verse 15. The Bible says, if you love me, what does it say, my friends? Keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you how long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now tell me, with you. With you, I can be with you, like we're with each other in this room, but to be in you is a whole other matter. Jesus is making a statement. He's saying something. He's saying, I'm going to send the promise of the Spirit. He's going to be with you. Shall be is a future tense phrase, right? Shall be is he will in the future be in you. So in my mind as I read that and in my mind as I process the thought, it tells me that the Spirit of God can be with all of us. But it doesn't mean he's in all of us. You see, there is something that is required in order to be Christ's ambassador, especially in these times in which we live. Now, I want to, I want to take you to a person. I want you to, I want to, we're going to look at a, a, a two Bible characters at least to illustrate the point. Go with me to the book of Acts. Go with me to the book of Acts. We're going to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And as you're going to Acts chapter 8, I'm going to give you a backdrop in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is preaching the sermon of his life. In fact, we're told that as he's beginning to preach in Acts chapter 7, he's actually being very calm. He's trying to walk through patiently with the Jewish leaders to lead them to a place to understand how they have rejected Jesus. But there comes a point when he sees in their eyes this rebellion so much so that he pauses in his sermon and he becomes more direct and more intense in his delivery of his message. And this is when they begin to gnash their teeth and begin to pick up stones to stone him. In fact, you're in Acts 8. Just go back to Acts chapter 7 for a moment. And I want you to read with me in verse number 55. Now, the Bible says, but he, speaking of Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing, where, my friends? On the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Now tell me something, my friends. What is it about Jesus that will make people so angry that literally like a child, they will put their fingers in their ears not to hear what the man is saying? You go back, look at the story, look at the sermon that he's preaching. There's nothing in that that will put somebody's fingers in their ear except what he's saying is pricking the very reality of their experience. It's not like he's saying things in a mean way. He's not angry when he's speaking. He's just speaking what the Spirit tells him to speak, and they don't want to hear it anymore, so they put their fingers in the ear, and they run upon him to gnash him and to destroy the man. We read, he says, verse 56, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, standing on the right hand of God. So powerful. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stomped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was, what's his name, my friends? Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen has been full of the Spirit of God. And when men and women are full of the Spirit of God, there is no political way to say the right thing. I mean, you can say it in the sweetest way. I remember going to a church, and I was just simply preaching the message of righteousness, and there was something about to transpire, and I saw it, and I kindly said, please, don't do this right now. That's all I said. 
When the meetings were over, they were ready to crucify me, to, bu- to, to burn me in the midst. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, but what would cause men and women to come to that place? Listen, when you hear about these mass shootings, they're happening frequently, more frequently, more frequently, more frequently. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one week. You can't tell me the spirit of God's not being re- re- removed from the earth. You can't tell me you can't. I told the church last week when I was preaching in Manchester, first time ever I walked into Walmart looking around. First time. Never did that before. Never in my mind walked into Walmart thinking there's some psycho possibly walking around in this store with a gun. Let me keep my eyes peeled. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a time when God's spirit is being withdrawn from the earth and there is, there is something within man that somehow they think that passing some form of legislation will stop people from going around doing mass killings and mass murder. No, my friends, without Jesus, we are left to our carnal behavior. Without Jesus, there's nothing that we can do to stop ourselves from running around doing all sorts of dirt nastiness that we only watch on TV. Receive my spirit. He kneels down, and there's a man, Saul, and he cried with a loud voice, says, lay not this sin. Now listen to this. Listen to this. This is when you know the spirit of God is upon a man or a woman. Listen to this. And he says, Stephen says, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, what does it say he did? Okay, let's, let's, let's be real talkers right here. Real talk. We're in, we're in a real church. This is not like, you guys are real people. I mean, we dress nice. This is, this is all comfortable, you know what I'm saying? Everybody looks all sophisticated. This is the one week we get to look sophisticated, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we got this front. We got, and then... All underneath, people don't like each other. Just, we don't like each other. I mean, we tolerate each other, you know, once a week. It's almost time to be gone. <laughs> you know, we spend together about three and a half hours, and see you later. I might come for prayer meeting. Prayer meeting is only an hour, 15 minutes. So total, the people that I love, the body of Christ, Total for the week, four and a half hours. To me, that's fake. You know, there's a, there's a passage in Scripture. Jesus is speaking, and he says, they will know you're my disciples by your what? What's it say? Only two people know it? Oh, by your love. They will know you're my disciples by your love. What's that look like? What's that feel like? It's interesting, though. I mean, if we can only tolerate each other for four and a half hours total for a week, here's a man who is being abused and mistreated, and as he's falling asleep, he says, don't give them what they deserve. I'm so sorry. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me tell you something. That's supernatural. I mean, just think about it. Let's just be real. Take it home for a half a second. Your wife don't do what she want her to do. She says something in some whack way. You don't say, Father, forgive her, because she doesn't know what she's doing. No, you're about to correct that. Right? Your husband doesn't do exactly what he's supposed to do. So now the spirit rises up. I'm going to let him know you done stepped out of line. Sweetheart? You might not even say Sweetheart. You see, the spirit this man had under the greatest duress is not fake. Under this great duress, he's still crying out for patience and perseverance with these people. That's not fake. That's supernatural. And the Christian cannot fake it. The Christian must be real. It must be genuine. So when you spit in my face, I really got to love you back. That's nearly impossible right now. You spit in my face right now, you might get hurt. Because at the end of the day, go, go with me. Go to our scripture reading for a second. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. And don't lose Acts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look, look at what it says. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at what it says in verse number 17. Look carefully. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, what's it say? A new creature. And then it says, All things are passed away. Behold, how many things are made new? All things are become new. Well, that's interesting. All things are passed away. I want to read something else to you. This is uh, from the book Desire of Ages, and uh, I, I thought this was a, a, a one of the most powerful quotes, and I really think, brothers and sisters, if we pay attention to it, it, it will change our lives. So you can write it down. It's found in Desire of Ages, uh, page uh, 324. Watch carefully. It says, when the soul surrenders itself to Christ, a new power takes possession of the new heart. A new power takes possession of the new heart. A change is wrought which man can never accomplish for himself. It is a supernatural work bringing a supernatural element into human nature. All right, so listen. So when, when you and I become Christians, we are no longer human. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Huh? When you become a Christian, based on inspiration, you are no longer a regular person just walking around and going by how you feel. I feel like this. This is my truth. Yada, 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 yada. That's yada, yada. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And when you see that old man coming back, you need to go back to the word and say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. Either it's the gospel or it's not the gospel. Either it's real or it's not real. I'd rather not play games with this thing. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? Amen. The soul that is yielded to Christ becomes his own fortress, which he holds in a revolted world, and he intends that no authority be known in it but his own. Who intends that? Who intends that? God does. So he holds, this is his, he said, this is my house. Tell me, what, what fight has God ever lost? You think you can throw a blow at Jesus and get away with it unless he lets you hit him? You know what I'm saying? Like, he lets you hit him. Otherwise, he'd just be like, <laughs> or he might just stand there. He just might go through him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how your imagination works, but my God, my Jesus, there is no power in heaven or earth that can beat him. Are you understanding? So he intends that no authority be known in it but his own. So hence it says, a soul thus kept in possession by the heavenly agencies is impregnable to the assaults of Satan. What does impregnable mean? There's no breach. There's no way through. So why then does the Christian seem to always give in? I'm, I'm being broad, but let's be personal. Why do we give in? If the promise is so sure, if the word is so awesome, if it is real as it is to be, then why do we give in? Because we don't believe. We don't believe. We're not taking advantage of the promise. A sister was giving a children's story. I said, she has no idea what she just did. She set it up. She's like, she like this. I come in like, ah. The promise. A promise he cannot lie. But unless, now why, here's the condition. This is why we mess up. But unless we do yield ourselves to the control of Christ, we shall be dominated by the wicked one. Let me read it again. But unless we do yield ourselves to the control of Christ, we shall be dominated by the wicked one. We must inevitably be under the control of the one or the other of the two great powers that are contending for the supremacy of this world. There's no neutral ground. I, I used to, I wish I was like, Father, I wish there was a timeout. Like, okay, no God and no Satan. Just let me just be. There's no such thing. There's a song, there's, there's a, a song that just came to my head. Whose side are you leaning on? Leaning on the Lord's side. 
Whose side are you leaning on? I'm leaning on the Lord. Then what does it say? I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, leaning on the Lord. What does that mean to lean? In the, in the, when, you know, when you went to the sanctuary, you went to the sanctuary, you had that lamb. You didn't just put your hand on the lamb. I can use you. You're a strong man. It's okay. So he's the lamb. You didn't just put your hand on the lamb and confess your sin. That's not what you did. The Hebrew word indicates that there was a weight. A little bit. You okay? All right. There's a little pressure. Meaning that you put your weight and your dependence on that lamb. Whose side are you leaning on? Who, where's your weight being put on? Why, why put the weight there? Because you trust. You trust him. I used, to hear, I used to hear this minister say, well, you know, why are you serving the devil? He didn't pay for anything for you. He didn't do nothing for you. He just brought misery and bloodshed and shame and darkness. And why would you serve the devil? Why would you go on his side? You say, oh, I, I don't serve the devil. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, Romans 6.16, 6, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, who you serve is, is, is determined by how you live. Whose side are you on? Who are you leaning upon? But there's a key point I wanted to get to here, and this one is interesting. It says it is not necessary for us to deliberately choose the service of the kingdom of darkness. We need only to neglect to ally ourselves with the kingdom of light. Neglect. What is neglect? Talk to me a little bit. What is neglect? Tell me what neglect is. Ignore or not to take care of. There's a true story. This really happened to me. So I was at a camp meeting, and my friend gave me um, one of these little things. I had a, well, I don't have it in my pocket, but it was, oh, here it is. Yeah, I have one of these guys. This is a little flash drive. He gave me a flash drive. He said, Andre, you know, this is really important to me. You can use it to go print your stuff that you need to do, but please bring me my flash drive back. I said, okay, I got you, man, I got you. So I went, I put my flash drive somewhere. I got to the place to print. <clears throat> I couldn't find the flash drive anywhere. I had every intent because I needed to print. <laughs> I, needed to, I needed to do something, so I, I drove all the way to the place to print. I couldn't find it anywhere, and then I drove all the way back, couldn't find it there. I looked in the car, under the car, over the car, everywhere in the car. I couldn't find the flash drive. I prayed then because I was like, Lord, I'm going to mess up this man's life because your whole life is on the flash drive. And then I looked again, and somehow, some way, it found its way under the chair. And you know what I did once I found it? I, I secured it. I said, flash drive, left inner pocket, check. Tap, tap. <laughs> huh? Now I'm not neglecting. You see, you can have a good intent and still neglect. Now, for instance, like you, everyone knows you're supposed to have devotion. Everybody knows you're supposed to have personal devotion? Yes. All right. And you know that you're supposed to spend time in prayer with God. You know that, right? Everybody knows that? Okay. Now, if you don't schedule it, it ain't going to happen. Like, I know I'm supposed to have family time. Like, for me, I'm a minister. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a busy man, a business guy, whatever. I'm busy. Now, if I don't put in the schedule... Family time. It's not that I don't love my wife. It's not that I don't love my daughter. It's that if I don't schedule it, it's just not going to happen because everything in life just eats it away. Neglect. I hope you get any idea. We don't need to intentionally say, I want to serve the devil to be on the devil's side. All we need to do is neglect. Meaning we do not have intentional, purposeful, say, I am connecting with God right now. We need only to neglect, my friends. And I'm telling you, that's a scary thought, that if I neglect 
even though I might be going to church, doing the right things, singing the right music, if I neglect to allow myself, I may be an imposter in the church. Do you know Jesus' harshest comments were to church people? A Pharisee. Why? Why to a Pharisee? Why to a scribe? Why to a Sadducee? Because these people represented his kingdom, represented his person. So now when everybody's coming to the church to find the truth, the people have leaves, but they don't have any fruit. Then we say the fruit of the spirit. So here, here's my reality. I've traveled all over the world, and I'm not joking, and I don't even know how I did it. <laughs> it's just like, it's just the calling of my life. God's had me go all over, whether it's Singapore, whether it's Australia, whether it's Botswana, Africa. That's just, it's just been all over the place, and it's the same problem everywhere. A form of godliness, but no power. Often because in this group, There's not the love that needs to be. Let's think about it for a moment. Let's just say someone is suffering here in Nasha, right down the street, right here on the street. I mean, people have problems right on the street. Believe it or not, they might have nice houses, but they have problems right here on the street. Well, let's just say, for instance, God somehow miraculously moves someone to say, you know what? I need a church. I I need to find a church. I need to find fellowship. They come to your church. They walk through your door. Two people shake their hand at best. Maybe three. Everybody sings their happy Sabbath songs or whatever they do. It's church service. We're sitting on a pew, which most people don't sit on pews in regular life. They hear a sermon, and they walk out the door. Where's the fellowship? Where is, where is, man, we're so happy you came in here. We never want to let you go. Where's that at? We're happy you came in here. We never want to let you go. In fact, I dare say, and I don't know anything about your district or your people or anything, but I dare say there are people that used to go to this church that don't go here. And they probably still live in town. And it doesn't bother you too much that they're not here. It doesn't really bother you, bother you. You know they're not here. You know the the whole gossip of whatever happened is there, but it doesn't really bother you. They will know you're my disciples by your love. It does not say they will know you're my disciples by your understanding of the Sabbath. They don't say you know your disciples by your understanding of the mark of the beast. It doesn't say you'll know my disciples by the 2300-day prophecy. It doesn't say any of that. It says they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. So if somebody comes in here, man, they better be loved up. They'll be like, man, these people, they hug too much. Ah! <laughs> I got invited to three homes today. Man, and after church, they fed me, and then somebody called me on Sunday just to say, I just wanted to say, what's up? How you doing? Somebody shot me a text on Wednesday. It wasn't even the same person from Monday. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's love. People would rather stay where they are to deal with who they deal with because they know, at least in this group of people, they like, you know, they love me. We met a lady. I have her on video. Super nice lady. She's coming to the meetings. I should play it for you. The young people met her in the parking lot. She's just so nice. She's very nice. She, and they're giving her books, and she's so happy. They, when they were done, she invited them to her house. Now, what I thought was the most interesting part was that as she's talking, because I'm always analyzing everything, group dynamics, how people think, how they behave. I'm always, in my mind, I'm always processing. So she says something to me that's interesting. She's talking to her friends or to our students, and she says, yeah, I was looking for a church, and my chiropractor invited me to his Bible study, and then I needed to move. And the whole church came to me and helped me move. I said, well, we're going to have a problem dealing with this one. <laughs> listen, listen. I said, we're going to have a problem having this one come to our church. Do you understand? Because intellectually, yeah, we got everybody beat. There's nobody that can be. Listen, when I set up and preach the gospel and go through the 28 fundamentals and everything else that's beyond that, there is no theologian on planet Earth that can beat us. But loving people? I'm sorry, guys. I think we get a D plus at best. 
I mean, because literally the lady said, yeah, they helped they help me move. And then they, I opened up my house, and now we're having Bible study at my house. And I'm like, Lord, okay. I can see her coming to the truth just for the sake of the truth. But I also see, Father, that you're probably going to have to get the whole church in order for her to come safely. Because she loves the people in her body. Because they love her. People would rather stay in a loving church with false doctrine than come to a church that has true doctrine and everybody's devils. It's a true statement. So the question is about this body, about this body, can we love each other? What, what, what can we do as a body to begin to express the reality of what the gospel really has done in us? Are we truly at peace with God? Is God's spirit really within? That's what we want. So are we Christ's ambassadors? The only way to be his ambassadors is that we must allow him inside. Now let, let me finish reading this. It says, it says, and I, and I, and I find, it, find it interesting, it says, if we do not cooperate with the heavenly agencies, Satan will take possession of the heart. Who will take possession of the heart? Satan will take possession of the heart and will make it his abiding place. And let me tell you something. I don't want the devil to have an abiding place in my heart. That's my personal opinion. The only defense, now the word only, tell me in English, what does only mean? Yeah, there's single, there's, this is, this is, there's no other way. <laughs> the only defense, what would that defense be? The only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. What does that mean? The only defense against this is Christ dwelling in the heart through faith. Christ dwelling in the heart through faith. Christ dwelling in the heart through faith. Does Christ dwell in your heart? Do you have faith in his righteousness? I mean, now his righteousness is altogether lovely. Like there's no sin in it at all. His righteousness is pure and clean from beginning to end. It's not your righteousness. It's not your goodness because you and I are not good. We mess up so often, it's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, when we begin to trust his righteousness, his righteousness begins to rub off on us. It's not because we got better, it's because he's better. <laughs> it's not because we're evolving, it's because he's creating. It's his righteousness. So that way, while we're having board meetings or church meetings or whatever it might be, and somebody says something that's a little awkward, actually downright disrespectful, instead of telling them how we feel about it, we commune with the master, and whatever comes out, the Spirit of God has given permission. Whatever look comes upon my face, the Spirit of God has given permission. You know, it's a, it would be a natural reaction. You know why it would be natural? Because the more you are with him, the more you become like him. The more you fellowship with him, the more you start talking like him. When you read about the disciples, they say, after Jesus has gone away, they, they look around and say, Jesus is not here, but it looks like these men have been with Jesus. Right now, we're looking around too much, and we should be looking to Jesus and have fellowship with him, and then when we come here, fellowship is easy. The only defense against evil is the end of of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. Unless we become vitally connected to God, we can never resist the unhallowed effects of self-love Self-indulgence and temptation to sin. Now listen to this, my friends, because this is where we've been tricked. We may leave off many bad habits. Have we left? You've became a Christian, right? You've left off many bad habits, yes? You, you don't smoke like you used to. You don't drink like you used to. You're not having intercourse outside of marriage like you used to. You're not fornicating like you used to. Those things you don't do. You may have left off many bad habits. It doesn't mean you're a Christian, though. You might be cultured, 
You might be a sophisticated sinner now. Self-love and self-indulgence. We may leave off many bad habits. For the time, we may part company with Satan. But without a vital connection with God, through the surrender of ourselves to him, watch this, moment by, what do you think the next word is? Moment by moment, we shall be overcome. Without a personal acquaintance with Christ and a continued communion, we are at the mercy of the enemy and shall do his bidding in the end. Moment by moment, vital connection. You know, it becomes more real at the end of the day because it's almost like, you know how they, I, I use this illustration often, they have a frog and they have him in water and then they turn the, water, the, the heat up slowly, right? And the frog doesn't jump out because it's a cold-blooded creature and it kind of just, yeah, acclimates to the temperature very easily, right? So it's almost like that with our church. It's, it's like we have been in some type of water and because we're cold, <laughs> the heat's been turned up ever so slightly and the world's going crazy and we're just chill. Oh, yeah, Trump, uh-huh, yeah, he's crazy. Oh, no, Trump is the greatest thing since... I mean, everybody's just... Everybody's extreme on both sides. The economy's doing what it's done. Oh, yeah, oh. Church is dead as get out in the Northeast, just dead. People are just... We're just, we're just, we're just going, and it's, it's like we're, we're going... And listen, I'm speaking not just from theory. I'm speaking because I live here. I've been a part of it. So we go, and we're hoping something happens. We're going and hoping something happens. We're hoping it gets better. I hope it gets better. And, and we're dying. We're dying spiritually. We know we're not studying our Bibles through the week. We know that. We know we're not spent, you know, when you look at the history of the pioneers or the history of the, the reformers, and they'd be like, they spent three hours in prayer. I'm like, three hours in prayer. You read, they spent all night in prayer. All, all night in prayer? All night in prayer? Man, I go to sleep. Like, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's like that's fiction. Until something hits. You see, if you're comfortable, when you're comfortable, yeah, everything's like that. But when, it's, when it hits you, true story. I was with some call porters and we were canvassing. We're doing all this great missionary work for God. And we were coming back. I don't know what night it was, but we were coming back. And, and uh, I got a phone call that my, one of my best friends had left the church. Just walked away from God. And this brother, let me tell you, one of the best preachers ever. One of the best preachers, uh, explained scripture, no problem. This brother left, born one day after me, same age. He's like my brother. His same name as me almost. Left the church. I got that phone call. I'm driving back with my two of the call porters in the car, and uh, I'm upset now. I'm sad, I'm broken, but I'm upset and then I see on the street corner right next to the church, they were actually at the corner of the church, and I see all these young people on the corner. It had to be like 25 of them. And they're all standing on the corner. And I was just, I was upset at the devil. And I said, you know what? The devil took one of ours. We're going to take some of his. Got out the car and said, hey, guys, I'm going over here to go preach to these young people on the corner. And it's always good to roll with missionary-minded people, you know? They said, we're going with you. So we got, I got out the car. Now, I never did this before. <laughs> I got out the car, and I went to the corner, and I just started preaching. I started telling them about Jesus, that Jesus loves them. I just started going and going and going, and you could see the conviction on their, in their heart. On Saturday, it was a Saturday night, and they're standing there looking at me like, what is this crazy guy doing here? And I'm preaching. Then, I, then I, 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 uh, my other young man came out, and he started preaching. And we're going back and forth, preaching, preaching. And this one girl that's standing there, she's upset. And she walks from one corner to the other corner. And she's complaining and cussing and all this stuff. She walks. They're messing up my Saturday night. Walking back and forth, back and forth. We called for an appeal for those young people. Do You know that young girl that was walking back and forth, cussing and all that? She knelt for that appeal. 
Those young people gave their hearts to Jesus that night on that street corner. When I was done, I was still sad because my friend was still not in the church. He was outside of Christ. So that night, you know what I did? Because I'm telling you what wakes you up. So what I did was I went and I spent all night in prayer, crying for this man, crying for my brother. Lord, please save him. Please keep his family. I'm agonizing with God because what happened was, see, that which was comfortable, I became uncomfortable. And when you begin to feel and touch and see the reality that sin is causing havoc in the world, you can't just sit there in silence. You can't just sit on a pew and be like, oh, I will come again seven more days. Okay, go hear another sermon. Then I'm going to live my life like I normally live it. Let me back up. So I'll say it quiet so you don't think I'm just being crazy. We have a tendency as a people to look for prophetic events to awaken us to our duty. What we have lost sight of is our love for Jesus. And our love for Jesus is what motivates us to go find others that don't know Jesus because Jesus has done something in my life. That's not based on time prophecy. That's based on real time with real problems, with real issues. And if I know the solution to your problem and I sit on it with my hands underneath my butt, then that's a sin on my part and that's selfishness. It is not Christianity. Christianity says I will be spent. Everything I will be spent. All my energy I will be spent. Every dollar I will be spent. For my Savior and my Master. Christianity is not a game. It's not a philosophy. It's not a theoretical ascent to information. It is a person that we have met, and that encounter has changed us. We have lost sight of him. I have lost sight of him. When we lose sight of him, we lose sight of our focus and our mission and our purpose. There's a song that I love very much, and if you can help me remember the, the hymn number, I would like to sing it right now. It says, I will follow thee, my Savior. Which, which, which hymn number is that? Six twenty-three. We're going to sing one verse, and then I'm going to read a passage from the Bible, and I'm going to make an appeal, and we're closed. Passage to you. It's Second Corinthians chapter eleven. And starts at verse 18, and Paul is speaking, and he says, Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you unto bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you in the face. I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, howbeit, Whensoever any is bold, he said, I speak foolishly, I am also bold. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes more measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils, waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, 
in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, and watching often in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. In other words, Paul's saying, I went through all of this. And I read that and I say, I haven't gone through one-tenth of one iota of this, and it's easy to walk away from the master. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to challenge you. I'm challenging you right now. Let's ask God to make us Christians from the inside out, to raise our level of fervor and commitment for him, to help us be what we're not naturally. If that's your desire, if you don't mind, if we can go to our knees, and ask God to help us in this regard. And if you can't kneel, that's fine. Bow your heart to God. Father, we have read your word. We have read of a man named Saul who witnessed Stephen giving his all for you. And from that moment going forward, Father, you pricked his heart. Until where we read, Lord, that he was willing to go through any and everything for you. Father, we're not there yet. But we're asking right now that you will make us Christians truly from the inside out. Lord, we don't want a fake church. We don't want this just regular stuff, Father. We want, we want the love that only comes from heaven to be manifested in us so that the world will know the reality that there is a Savior. Father, please help us. Please, Lord. In our own body, Lord, we have resentment towards each other. And if there's no resentment, there's a coldness towards each other. Father, help us to love. Teach us how to love each other. Lord, we love you, but the reality is we need you to teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. I pray for each one that is kneeling here, Father, with their bodies and their hearts. We're saying like we're told in inspiration, take our hearts, for we cannot give them their your property. Keep them, Father, for we cannot keep them ourselves. And Father, save us from ourselves, our weak, unchristlike selves, and raise us into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich currents of your love can truly pour through our souls. Father, please, please. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, knowing that you can do abundantly above what, of whatever we ask or think. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.